0: Thank you, Alan. So it it would be helpful if you've got a Bible or a Bible on your phone to find that passage because we're going to go through it in a second. It's 2 Kings chapter 4. And while you're just doing that and I'm getting set up here, turn to the person next to you and tell them why you've come today. So I guess there might be all sorts of reasons why you're here today. Maybe you're here just checking things out, if that's so. Um, I hope you feel very welcome. Maybe this is what you do on a Sunday afternoon, that's great. I'm here because I was invited. That's nice, isn't it? And I'm really pleased to be here. Um, As Ben said, I've come from York. I'm the vicar of a church called St. Michael of Belfry. I've been a vicar for 24 years. Sounds like quite a long time, doesn't it? And it's a great honour to do um, what I do. Um, I'm married to Sam. We have five sons. One of them is part of this congregation. And I brought a little team of folk with me as well, uh, which is great from the Belfry and they may well be involved in some of the praying later. As well as being a vicar, as Ben said, I do a bit of writing. I've written one, or two books, I included this new book called Overflow. It looks a bit like this. And uh, Luke Porter on the staff here has done the cover. Do you like that? Yeah, it's a lot nice. And I think Joel and Melissa, you were part of even, of even the photo at the front. Very exciting. And I've got a few of those at the back if you're interested. Um, That's the theme I want to speak on today, actually, on overflow, about how God loves and longs to fill us to overflowing so it impacts beyond ourselves. That's what I want to speak about. But rather than looking at an example of an overflowing church which is the church in Antioch, which is what I do in the book. Um, What I want to do tonight is talk or or, or look look at an example of a person of overflow rather than the church. And the person is this widow uh, in 2 Kings chapter 4. Now I saw um, on overflow at the Belfry a couple of years ago about this time of year. And I did it for maybe three or four weeks. I think it was January or February time, something like that. And uh, I up early in my house um, to get up and pray. It's about the only quiet time in, in our house because lots of us live in that house. And when I get up early, it's usually very quiet in our house. And uh, I usually creep downstairs slowly and put the kettle on and, you know, and then I go and read the Bible and pray. That's how I start the day. It's very quiet. But for the few weeks when I taught on overflow, it wasn't quiet. I remember it very well, because um, as soon as I began to teach an overflow, I could hear this noise when I woke up. And what had happened is one of the, the, the toilets in the upstairs bathroom, the system had broken and it was overflowing. And I could hear this every morning. And uh, we, because the house belongs to what's called the diocese, uh, the diocese uh, had to send a plumber out. It took them four weeks to come. It got fixed as soon as the series finished. Isn't that funny? And then uh, later on that year, I decided that I was going to speak on overflow again in September. Just and I planned that long way ahead. And I remember um, going, going to bed the night before and I woke up in the middle of the night and used to go to the loo. So I got up to go to the loo. You know what? Another toilet had broken in the night and I woke up to the sound of overflow again. I thought, God, you're so funny. <laughs> I actually spoke on overflow a few weeks ago back in church and it was a terrible rain. And literally all the drains were overflowing. It's like... A sign seems to follow this this word, so uh, watch out for overflow. This this thing is kind of moving; it's quite exciting. How, just give me a second. If it keeps dropping, then that will be very exciting, won't it? Okay, so overflow. Um, God sometimes gets our attention, doesn't he? He wants to speak a word to us and remind us this is the word I want you to grasp hold of. And overflow has been a very important word to me. God is a God of overflow. Now we see that in this passage. So 2 Kings chapter 4, the date is around about 800 BC, so 2,800 years ago, quite a long time ago. And at that time, prophets were very prominent in Israel. They were respected people. Now, a prophet is someone who says what God says, simple as that. And um, they spent their time listening. And discerning the word of god that 's what prophets did, and elisha is one of these prophets he 's the senior prophet in Israel at the time he 'd been been the apprentice of elijah don 't get them mixed up Elijah and elisha he 'd been the apprentice of Elijah learning the ropes from Elijah and it's good to, to learn the ropes isn't it it's good to learn and grow and be apprenticed in, in the things of God in, in, in prophecy but also just in discipleship in, in following Jesus um, we want to follow Jesus well don't we and we need each other in that we need to learn from the wisdom of those around us so if you're a disciple I guess many of you will be a follower of Jesus that's what a disciple is I wonder you know um, um, who are you the apprentice of who are you learning from And are you apprenticing somebody else? Because that's a really good thing to do. Elisha was the apprentice of Elijah. And these guys had encouraged prophetic communities to develop in and around Israel at the time, in a number of towns like Gilgal and Bethel and Jericho. These guys were known as the the Company of Prophets, or sometimes they're called the Band of Prophets. Um, And um, they were led by Elijah and then by Elisha. In fact, I was in that part of the world uh, about this time uh, last year, um, and uh, it's a fascinating part of Israel. There in the centre of Israel, it's is kind of barren wilderness part, um, and, uh, and this is where these prophetic communities hung out in various towns in that part of Israel. That sets the scene. Let's go through the story. I just want to point out a few things to reflect on. So, verse 1. the wife. I'm going I'm to reread it just, just to tell the story. The wife of a man... From the company of the prophets, cried out to Elisha, Your servant my husband's dead. You know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditors coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? So this woman is a widow of one of the guys in the company of the prophets. That's who she is. We don't know her name. We don't know her deceased husband's name, but we do know she's a precious human being who's loved by God like you and me and this precious human being has a need she's got two sons and she has debts to pay and the debtors are asking for payment and if she doesn't pay basically her two sons will be sold as slaves it's terrible but that is what may well happen so in essence she has a need she needs help do you agree yeah, she needs some help. Um, now, her need basically is money. She has to pay off her debts. Now, now what about you? What, what's your need? Because we've all got needs, haven't we? For, let's be honest about it. Her need is money. Maybe, maybe your need is you're unemployed and you need work. That's a real need. Maybe you're ill. You need healing. Uh, maybe um, you're feeling insecure about something. You need to, to be given some courage. Maybe you've got insomnia and you need some sleep. I mean, it can be all sorts of things, can't it? But we've all got a need. This lady goes to Elisha the prophet and she explains her need. Now, Elisha's God's representative. You know, he, she knows he hears from God. Uh, so in telling him, it's a bit like she's telling God. Now, how does Elisha respond? What he says is, how can I help you? I love that. How can I help you? because he really wants to help of course he does because he's kind like God he wants to help us he wants to help the lady and so God wants to help us I hope you know that that God is the great helper Psalm 121 says my help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth in John 16 when Jesus describes the Holy Spirit one of the words he used to describe him is the helper lovely phrase of the Holy Spirit God is our helper he wants to help us so this woman she needs God's help just like you and I do just like you and I do she's just like you and me and God wants to help her just like he wants to help you and me because that's what God's like that's what he's about to do and that's why one of my favorite prayers I commend it to you a really good prayer God help You ever prayed that prayer? Come on, let's be honest. Who's prayed that prayer? Yeah, it's a good prayer. I commend it to you. God likes that prayer because God is the great helper. Okay, verse two. Elijah asked her a question. Tell me, what do you have in your house? She replies, your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Now I want you to notice how Elisha helps this lady the first thing he does is he asks her a question interesting a question that's how God often helps us by first asking a question if you notice that if you read the gospels Jesus often did that with people he asked them a question to a blind man Matthew 20 Jesus says what do you want me to do for you Uh, to a to hungry people Matthew 15 Jesus says how many loaves have you got Um, to someone unsure about the Bible Luke 10 Jesus says what does it say how do you read it often God starts to help us by first asking a question now I wonder why that is I suspect it's because God wants to engage with us he wants to talk with us and us to talk with him because he loves us and he wants relationship with us that's what he's he's like That's why he sent Jesus to die and rise again, that we might have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The the, the gate is open so we can know him and talk with him and commune with him and be friends with him. He wants to involve us in all that. The access is very open. That's why we've come tonight and worship, because the door's open. Jesus has opened it. Now, Elisha asked this widow a question. What do you have in your house? Very simple question. Now notice her answer. This is what she says. Your servant, me, she says, I've got nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. When we have a problem, when we have a need, and we come to God, and God asks us for what resources we have, very often our first answer is, God, I've I've got absolutely nothing. I'm I'm at the end of it all, I've I've got nothing. And that's what this lady says. You know, We're exhausted, we ask God for help. And God says to us, what resources do you have? And we say, I'm burned out, I've got nothing. Maybe you're short of money and God says to you, what resources do you have? You say, I've got nothing, I've got nothing left. I've got nothing left in my pocket maybe um, you're a uni student you're frustrated with your course at uni thinking about giving up and going home help me God you say and God says what resources do you have and you say nothing I've got no enthusiasm no passion maybe um, you're in a marriage that you feel like the love is, f- is fizzled out and God says what resources do you have and you say I've got no love left at all I've got nothing very common that's often how it feels isn't that right some of us have been there. Some of us are there now. We know what that feels like. I've got absolutely nothing. But there's a pause. If you look at the text, I've got nothing. And there's a little pause. And she says, except I've got a little bit of oil. <laughs> a little bit of oil. And she has to stop and think. She says, actually, I've got a little something. Just a little bit of oil. I think that's one of the most important lines in this story, Except a little bit of oil. I've got something. And she stops. And when she really thinks, she thinks I've actually got a little bit of resource. I've got a little something. And again, it's like that with us, isn't it? I'm exhausted. But actually, if I'm honest, I've just got a little bit of energy. Well, I'm broke, but actually I've got three pound 50 in my pocket. I've got something. Just not very much, but I've got something. Or my marriage is all but gone, but actually I might have just a little bit of love left. I've got something. If we look deep, we've normally got something. What do you have in your house, he asks. What have you got in and around you? And however small or useless it may seem, God can use that little bit, that little bit, in his overflowing purposes now if you want to know why um it's because i could be here all day speaking on this it's i'm not but it's about multiplication god loves addition but he prefers to work in multiplication since he set the kingdom of god at work he loves to work in multiplication now i'm not very good at mass anybody else say not very good at mass yeah, I'm not very but I do I know I know a little bit about addition and multiplication. I somehow got a GCSE or an O level as it was back then. But I understand if you work by addition and you've got naught and you add one, what do you get? One. Yeah it's not a trick question. <laughs> if you get naught and you add one, you get oh. one. But what happens if you've got naught and you try and multiply? Let's you got naught, let's multiply by one, what do you get? No. Isn't that interesting? You have you got nothing. God wants to add something to it. You get nothing. You got nothing. You add a hundred to it. What do you get? Still not. It's almost like we've got to give God something for Him to multiply it. Do you see? God loves to work in multiplication, and um, it, it, it's like we give God just a little bit. and He can multiply it. That's how it. That's how it. How it works. And we've seen that time and time again. Ben and I, and I think Lee as well, we've been out um, in, in, to see different projects out in Africa that Tier Fund have been running in their Change a Nation project. And they've been helping people see the little something that they've got that God can multiply. And we've seen fantastic work amongst communities that have been transformed by people beginning to see the little bit that they've got that God can begin to change. And we've seen people being lifted out of poverty, absolutely fantastic god loves to do that okay let's go on because i'm going to run out of time verse three elijah said go around and ask your neighbors for empty jars don't just ask for a few then go inside shut the door behind you and your sons pour oil into all the jars and as each is filled put it to one side so this lady is told to go and involve her neighbors that's interesting don't just do this on your own involve other people she's at her wits end this lady Kind of probably wallowing in her own despair. But through Elisha, God is saying, Get up, go out, and involve the community in what I'm about to do. And again, that's how often God works, isn't it? He often works, not just through us individually, but in community. That might be through our family or our friends or, or our neighbors. Because again, we're made for relationship, not just with God, but with each other as family. Many of us think I can do this life thing on on my own, privately, but we can't. We're made for other people. That's why this church is so important. This church family that is getting established here, because we're made for family. And you've got a very good family here, a growing family. I urge you to be part of it and share in the journey together. Now notice something else. When she's going and asking for empty jars, she's told, there's a little phrase there, don't just ask for a few. Did you notice that? Don't just ask for a few. I think that's because God's got bigger plans than she has. I think that's true for us. Often, God's got bigger plans than we have on my uh, In my study on my mantelpiece is a frame, and this is what it says there 's some words written in, in this, um, this picture frame it says this it 's a quote from a bloke called Mark Batterson. It says this: "Nothing honors God more than a big dream that is way beyond our ability to, to accomplish why because there 's no way we can take credit for it, and nothing is better for our spiritual development than a big dream because it keeps us on our knees." in raw dependence on God. I love that quote. You know, sometimes we can think, God doesn't want to do very big things through me, through little me, because I'm a bit of a nobody. I'm a nothing. We can easily think that. I think this widow thought that, but God had other plans. Don't just ask for a few, he says to her. Two or three jars would be okay, but the Bible says that God is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. He's got much bigger plans because he's the God of multiplication and the God of overflow. And if um, we keep giving him the vessels, he will keep overflowing. Verse 5. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her. She kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's no jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. So she gets these jars and she gets lots of them from her friends and her neighbours. Now she's ready. She gets a small amount of oil. I don't know how much it, it, it was. I bought a little jar of anointing oil here. I suspect it was much less than that. Can you see that? Some of you can. I suspect it was just a little bit at the bottom. That's all she had left. She gets it ready and she begins to start pouring. I wonder if just before she poured, there was a pause What's going to happen? What, what am I going to do? Maybe she prayed, God help. God come, God do something. Maybe, I don't know. I like to think maybe she did. The important thing for her was that she was obedient to what God asked her to do. She gathered jars and basically she poured. That's what she did. But I want you to see, this was a big step of faith for this lady. Because this is all she got left. This is a £3.50, all gone. This is all she got left in her house, this little bit of oil. She could have done other things with it. This was her emergency ration. She could have cooked with it her very last meal. She could have lit a lamp with it or started a fire with it. This is all she's got left, and she's going to pour it out. It's a step of faith. It's a real step of faith, and any giving is a step of faith. Whatever the form of giving, it is a step of faith. And that's what she was doing. She was almost like giving this back to God, because God said, do this. I'm going to pour this out. I'm going to see what you do. It sounds a bit like, um, do you know that story in Luke 21 of um, the widow's mites? That's a story where, this, uh, where Jesus and his disciples are sitting by the temple treasury, watching rich people put lots of money in. Then this, it, Jesus says this, the Bible says this little old lady comes, she puts in two tiny coins worth virtually nothing. And Jesus says to his disciples, look, she put in more than all the rest why because she put in everything she would got her last little bit and that's what this woman was doing it was a great cost her last bit of resources and she pours it out what happens the bible says the oil kept flowing wouldn't you like to have seen that don't you think that would have been cool I think that'd be very cool. Um, I understand from people who've been working with Heidi Baker out in Mozambique, working in a very um, strained missional context, they regularly have that happen with the meals that they um, provide for the poor. There's meals for 50 and they feed 500. The pot just keeps being enough. Beautiful. God can do that kind of thing. It seems that as long as there were jars, the oil kept flowing. Which which I think tells us that God will fill as much as we offer Him. As much as we offer Him, He will fill. So give Him everything. Give Him yourself. Give Him your family. Give Him your church. Give Him your city. Give Him everything. I tell a story at the end of this book, Overflow, uh, which I will uh, tell you now, which is a true story. And one or two may have heard this story before, but it, it is a true story. Um, one Sunday morning, I think it was early in 2008, I remember waking up one Sunday morning. Um, a, a bit like today and having a sense that I needed to get my bottle of anointing oil, it was a bit like this one, out and pray for people in the church that I was leading in Sheffield at the time. So I remember I got the the, oil, the bottle out and I was when I got it out, I was disappointed because it's just a tiny little bit of oil, like one or two mil at the bottom. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm only going to be able to pray for maybe half a dozen people with that. Anyway, I go off to church, first service, invite people to come forward. At the end, gather around the kind of rail like this. And I prayed for maybe, I don't know, 10 people. And then, second service, similar thing. I must have prayed for about 15, 20 people there. I remember thinking, I wonder if the oil's run out. So I got the oil out and looked at it, and it was about that full. And I'm like, what? Because I'd come with just like a tiny little bit of oil. And I had this with me the whole time. And I'm like, has someone like filled it up? Or what's happened? And um, I'm not joking, it was like half, two-thirds full. Um, I used it for the rest of that day. I used it for the next uh, nine months before I moved to York. I used it for the next six months having arrived in York. I must have prayed for hundreds and hundreds of people with this jar of oil, and it never went down. In fact, sometimes I used to get a get a ruler out and measure it. <laughs> and it never went down. Isn't that bizarre? Like, what is that? I think that it's a little bit like this story, a little bit. I remember I wrote to the Bishop of Sheffield to tell him the story. And if you write to the Bishop of Sheffield, he always, the Bishop back then, he always wrote back to you. Even if it was something very short and sweet. I remember he wrote back to me. I told him the story. He said, dear Matthew, thank you for your letter of so and so. Um, There's always more oil. God bless. That was it. Good line. There's always more oil. God's not short of his spirit. He's not short sure on resources. And really that is the message of overflow. If we provide the vessels, God will pour in to overflowing. That's the message of this passage. Give away what he's given, and God will fill up again and again and again. And sometimes you'll get our attention and actually physically do that. This church, as Ben was saying, got restarted because all sorts of people have given away. This diocese has given away and invested in this church. We at the Belfry poured some resources into this church. It's all part of overflow. And that's a privilege for us to do that. There's always a step of faith when we pour out and give away. But it seems God honours that so we can undo it again. And again, and you can apply that in your own personal life. You can apply it in your family, in your business, at university, um, uh, uh, all sorts of places. Give away and God will give back. Jesus said that, Luke six thirty-eight: Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you that to me sounds like a summary of two kings chapter four give god will pour out he will overflow so don't stop giving that's really my message to you tonight but one final thing last verse before we pray verse seven just to finish the story it says she went that's the widow and told the man of god and he said go sell the oil and pay your debts you and your sons can live on what is left. So God provides her sons are not enslaved, praise God. Now she's debt free. Basically, she can live in freedom. Isn't that good? Yes, Matthew, that's really good. Isn't that good? Yeah. It is, honestly, this woman can live in freedom. The Bible says it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Yes. Galatians 5 1. It's for freedom. We're called to be liberated people, not constrained by sin. You know, free from the chains that bind us and from the guilt that crushes us and from the shame that holds us. We're called to be free people. Praise God. That's our calling, our destiny. I love that. But here's the thing we can easily miss when we talk about freedom. This is really important. Your freedom and mine is always exercised in community. In community with other people. It's not just freedom so I can do whatever I want actually quite a selfish thing. It's freedom, yes, so I can be the true me, the liberated me, but so I can also help others experience that freedom. Does that make sense? It's not just for me. this is where the borrowed jars come in. It doesn't say it in the passage, but imagine what else must have happened that's not described here. Because this lady goes and she sells the oil, pays off her debts. Don't you think people might have asked some questions? Read between the lines. Her family and friends will want to know why your sons not sold into slavery. She could tell them what God's done. The neighbours want to know what happened to the jars. She'll tell. It's not just her own personal little story. It's something to share with other people. She will have told them. She'll have shared the story, shared the testimony, and it would have impacted her community. Because that's what God wants. Our liberty is not just for us; it's for others. Basically. It's to spill out emission. It's always to spill out emission. Overflow is so that others can experience what we experience. The bottom line is that God wants to fill you with his spirit for you, and then to overflow and impact others. That's the good news of Jesus. You see, the spirit is not just for you, for others as well. Bill Johnson says, fullness... Is measured by overflow. I like that. How do you know if something's really full, it's overflowing? In a moment, we're going to pray that you and I will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Does that sound okay? How do you know if you're full? Well, when you go out there and someone bumps into you, what flows out? Yeah, Jesus. Forgiveness, grace, love, kindness, care through our words and our actions. Folks, you and I are called to overflow. So let's pray. Let's stand. I want to pray for us.